Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Would you join me as we pray together? Oh God, we do indeed give you thanks for the gift of the day and for the gift of this place where we can come together to worship, come together in fellowship and to learn more about who it is you call us and who you've created us to be. God, we pray that you would settle your spirit upon us now, that you would quiet our minds, open our hearts to the word that you have for us today, and I pray that the words of my mouth would not be my own, but let them be your words for your church today. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I hope that you all had a good Thanksgiving. Are you ready for Christmas? No? Okay. Well, I I need to know, who likes Thanksgiving more than Christmas? Anyone? Really? Oh, okay, we have one, two, two brave people. Anybody like Christmas more than Thanksgiving? I would assume the rest of you. I'm not going to ask if you like n- neither one, because that just can't be a thing, right? But we thought we would spend a few weeks kind of in this in-between Sunday talking about gratitude before we jump into Advent, the season of Advent, next Sunday. And so Pastor John started us off last week talking about gratitude, and so we've, we've focused on what does gratitude look like in our lives as Christians? Why is it important to us? And today I want to focus on what it means to make gratitude a lifestyle. Hopefully we can see Thanksgiving as more than just a launching point for the holidays, right? That It's often the beginning of weeks of too much spending and too much food and too much activity, but it could be the starting point of a new way of living, a new way of thinking about things, a reminder of this season that is to come and the reason that we celebrate. We can move into Christmas with a renewed heart and a renewed soul. So to help us do that, I want to look at a story from the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bible with you or an app on a device, feel free to follow along. It'll also be on the screen. Reading from Luke chapter, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. I'm going to be reading this morning from the message translation, so it may sound a little bit different. So I'd invite you to listen and receive God's word for us today. It happened that as he made his way toward Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance, but they raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. They went, and while still on their way, they became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not ten healed? Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith is has healed and saved you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we find this story toward the end of Luke's gospel. Jesus is continuing his journey to Jerusalem. It's approaching the time when he will predict his death and then his resurrection. And he's coming from the north, from Galilee, traveling along this border 
with Samaria. And he enters a village. And when he gets there, he encounters these 10 men who have skin diseases of some sort. It could have been leprosy, or it could have been any number of multiple other contagious diseases. But regardless, leprosy and and things like that were seen as sort of a living death. They were incurable. And so anybody who had one of these diseases was required to remain outside the city walls. And so it's likely that Jesus met them at the gate, at the city gate. Now, Jewish law said that a leper had to remain at least 50 yards, it's about half a football field, 50 yards away from anyone else to prevent the spread of disease. Further, they were supposed to yell unclean if anybody approached them. And so they were used to that. They were used to yelling. And so they yelled at Jesus and and cried out to him for mercy. And so the text tells us that Jesus saw them, and then he says to them, go and show yourself to the priests. Now the reason for that is because a priest had to certify, to sort of declare a person fit, to, to say that they were clean before they were allowed to return to a city or to society around other people. And so what Jesus is doing is he's asking them to exercise faith, to act before there's any evidence of healing. And the scripture says that they were healed as they went. And that would have been cause for great joy because we don't know exactly, but they could have likely had limbs that were disfigured. They likely had open sores. And all of that was gone when they were healed. So one of them, one of the ten, sees that he is healed. Now, when it talks about sight here, it's talking about physical sight, yes, what he could physically see, but it's also talking about insight, this recognition that God's mercy had touched his life. And so he turns around and he runs back to Jesus, and after glorifying God, the giver of all good things, he falls on his face at Jesus' feet, and he says, thank you. This was a spontaneous act of gratitude. This was not something Jesus commanded him to do. It was not something Jesus suggested that he do. This man saw the very hand of God at work in Jesus, what we would call faith, and expresses that faith in a response of thanks. Now, it's no accident that the text mentions that he was a Samaritan. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Samaritans were outsiders, they were despised, and so to be a Samaritan leper was twice as bad. Jesus asked three questions. Now, these were probably rhetorical questions. He was addressing the people that were standing around, perhaps his disciples were standing there. Weren't ten healed? Where are the other nine? None of them came back to praise God except this foreigner, this man that was drawn from the margins of society. Now, at this point, there's probably a very awkward moment of silence. And Jesus is illustrating here what a faithful response, what a life of discipleship looks like. But the other thing he's doing is saying that this life-transforming faith that this man has experienced is not the exclusive property of the disciples or the Jews. That's a faith for all people. And so then Jesus looks at this man and he says, get up and go. You've been given new life. The gratitude that he expressed 
as his faith has healed him and saved him. And so in essence, Jesus is saying a lifestyle of thankfulness is a lifestyle of wellness. Now as we think about it, which is more surprising, that one came back and shouted for joy and fell at Jesus' feet, or that nine did not? Now, the one might have asked the other nine to come with him, we don't know. Or it could be that they had been separated from their families for some time because they were sick, and so they were eager to go back to them, and it didn't even occur to them to go back to Jesus. And it's easy for us now to read the story and to think, well, shame on them. How ungrateful. If, if I had been healed, I'd have gone back and told Jesus thank you. Or would we? Because Jesus has healed us. Jesus has redeemed us, but how well do we say thank you? We're busy, we're spread too thin, we're stressed out with all that we have to do and need to do and even the things that we want to do, and so we often struggle to find time to stop and to say thank you to God and often to other people. Or our gratitude is often a quick rush of relief when we dodge a bullet of some kind in our life. And it's no secret that it's usually easier to be thankful when life is going well, right? But life is often harder than we want it to be at times. And so it may become a habit to complain about things instead of being grateful. Because for all of us at some point, life is not what we thought it would be. Things have not gone according to the plan that we had, and we become discouraged, we become disappointed. But as Christians, our basis for gratitude is not our circumstances. Because God gives us an opportunity to be thankful when nothing about our circumstances gives us that motivation. We give thanks to God not because of the way that we feel, but because of who God is. So what if we made a choice? What if we made a choice to be thankful for things like disappointments? Uncertainty, things that annoy us. What can we gain from those things? What can we learn from the things that we don't want, the things that we don't ask for? God can grow us and change us and teach us in ways that we can't imagine in those times. And this actually is something that happened to me recently. I was anxiously anticipating an upcoming situation that felt to me like there were a lot of unknowns. Certainly not feeling grateful about it in any way. And so I reached out to a person that I trusted to give me wise advice. And she said... What if, instead of worrying about it and being bitter about it, frankly, you approach it from a place of gratitude? What if you give thanks that you're being given an opportunity to exercise skills that you've learned, that it's going to probably be a chance for you to feel the support of other people, to feel close to God, and there will likely be at least one positive outcome, even if it's small. So I did. I shifted from a a place of anxiety and, and worry to a place of gratitude and trust, and I was humbled by the outpouring of God's goodness to me in the midst of that. So where does ungratefulness hide in you? 
Where does it hide in your heart? It's sometimes hard for us to see, but I think naming those things allows for transformation. Maybe it's in our finances or our possessions or our relationships with other people or just the circumstances of our life. But when we don't express gratitude, then what begins to happen is those things weigh us down. And if we're not careful, those things begin to define us. Maybe something bad happens in our lives and we think, my life is so much worse than so-and-so. Thank you, social media. Or I can't ever catch a break. Or God blesses other people more than me. In reality, those kinds of thoughts undermine a belief in God's goodness by reinforcing a lie. And the lie is that God's not taking care of me. It's easy to to begin to get caught up in our so-called rights that we have. We get angry when we don't get what we think we're entitled to in life. But gratitude begins where that sense of entitlement ends. And so we don't have to be thankful for all things, but God does ask us to be thankful in all things. And there's a difference. And so your life right now, you may be in a season of pain, a season of confusion and weariness, but gratitude changes how we see. It changes the way that we see grace active in our lives. Anne Lamott, who is a wonderful author, a famous author, one of her books is called Help, Thanks, Wow. And in that book, she says, grace can be that second wind. When what you really want is clarity and resolution, and what you get is stamina and strength to hang on. That even in the mess, you can give thanks for a revelation of some, some kind of truth. For allowing God to give you sight about something. And so we can still have hearts that cry out to God in thanks for God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Practicing gratitude does not mean that we bury unwanted feelings. It does not mean that we look for a silver lining in every bad situation. It's acknowledging what's good alongside the mess. And true thanksgiving says that even here, even in the mess, I choose to believe in God's goodness, even when I can't see it yet. As a part of his healing, the Samaritan leper experiences a new sense of self. But I think he also likely had a new sense of community with those people around him. He has a new sense of meaning. His life has direction and his purpose has changed because a deeper miracle of healing has happened within him. The other nine were cleansed of the outward symptoms of their disease. But he was transformed. He was transformed in the wholeness of his being. And gratitude is always a function of perspective. The healed leper saw the grace and the mercy of Jesus, because there can be no awareness of grace without gratitude. And there can be no gratitude without an awareness of grace. It's only when we're grateful that we truly begin to grow in an understanding of God's grace toward us.
And so are you waiting on God to give you joy, to give you peace, to give you hope, to give you a new perspective? Because God would say to us, that thing that you're waiting for, I've already given you in Christ. It's right there. I've given you my word, I've given you my presence and my spirit, I've given you a church, I've given you small groups, I've given you opportunities to serve. Once our perspective changes, everything else begins to change. If we read through the entire Gospel of Luke, what we find is a focus of salvation that's on the quality of life God enables us to have now in the present. An idea of liberation, that we can be set free from things in order to experience the life God intends for us to have. Because God's hope is that we would experience the manifestation of God's saving power here and now, instead of simply waiting to be rescued from a world that we know is imperfect. And sometimes we spend a lot of time and energy waiting. Waiting to be happy. And so then the weeks roll into months, and the months roll into years, and we miss out on celebrating the blessings that God has put right in front of us. Grateful people can find, enlarge, or create a blessing in almost any circumstance. And a lot of research has been done on the benefits of gratitude. You probably know some of this. And I'm not at all surprised that God calls us to lives of thankfulness because it further enhances our health and our well-being. It's been proven that living a life of gratitude reduces anxiety and stress and depression because when we're grateful, that causes our brain to release serotonin, which is a chemical that makes you feel good. It leads to increased happiness and higher levels of determination and energy, including motivation for us to do things like exercise and progress toward goals that we have, better sleep and lower blood pressure, better relationships with other people. And so perhaps this practice of listing our blessings often as a spiritual discipline is a worthy habit for us to develop. There are actually apps that are designed for that very purpose. Because when we're grateful, we acknowledge that we could have not have gotten ourselves from where we were stuck to a place of freedom. Now it's important to know that when we're not grateful, ingratitude does not cancel out God's grace. And a lack of our faith does not cancel God's faithfulness to us. God is good regardless. But the fullness of salvation that God intends for us comes with a grateful heart. And so this rhythm of faith and gratitude, that's what being a Christian is really all about. They are our response to the grace of God as we've experienced it. Because we know God is at work. Good is happening in the here and now, and we respond by taking action. This movement of grace toward gratitude brings us to a spiritual awakening. It brings us peace. And so if we go back to the story, all ten of the men had faith in Jesus to do what he said. They, they did what he told them to do. But I'd like to also think that all ten of them were grateful for the healing they received. But what the nine missed was the relationship. They missed the relationship with Jesus, the chance to fall at his feet and to say thank you, a chance to know him in a personal way. Because saying thank you is more than something we do to be polite. 
It's something that begins in our hearts, and then it begins to dovetail into our behavior. It makes us willing to serve from a place of joy as we do life with Jesus. But we have to see the way the leper saw. Because he went from a life of misery and separation to a life of joy and a life of thankfulness. And so gratitude helps us to become more alive and more free and better able to love other people. And so when we hear Jesus ask, where are the other nine? We might tend to hear a tone of judgment in his voice, but I think he said it from a deep place of compassion. Because what he wanted was for their healing to lead to a life of wholeness. We can cling to the promises God makes to us. We are healed, we are forgiven, we are free, and we are loved. And we serve a God who sees. A God who sees. Just as Jesus saw those ten men, God sees us at our best, God sees us at our worst, and extends mercy to us all the time. And so the life that you want is really as close as giving thanks to God, because when that becomes a habit, a way of seeing the world, a way of being in the world, joy in God then becomes your life. I think gratitude may be one of the purest measures of our character, one of the purest measures of the spiritual condition of our heart. When life feels good and we have things to celebrate, when life is tough and challenging, let's be people who live out our gratitude. Let's feel those things. Let's write them down. Let's say it to somebody. Let's take time this week to acknowledge God's goodness to us in our lives. Because the good news is that with, with God's help, gratitude has the power to heal. It has the power to energize. It has the power to bring hope. And Jesus gives us new life, new life that calls faith out of us, sometimes faith that we don't even know we have. And so as we sing this last song, it's called Gratitude. And friends, we don't have to have anything new today. All God wants from us is our worship. And just like the leper in the story, he shouted his gratitude, we have a lion inside of our lungs. And we can hear Jesus' invitation to us, just like he said to the man, get up. Get up and praise the Lord. That is what he says to us today. Because we know that our faith makes us well. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.